Welcome to another edition of TSC Music's Music with a Mission, where our purpose is to perpetuate and promote the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us again today as we recap the TSC Music Ministries workshop held a few weeks ago. On last week, you heard from our associate pastor, Pastor William Carroll, who led us in an awesome discussion or message titled, The Worth of an Unworthy Worshipper. It is a message that every worshiper should hear over and over and over again. So we do encourage you to go back and listen to last week's podcast. This week, we're going to Jersey City. Well, Jersey City is coming to us via the workshop, via the podcast. And we're going to have with us today our good friend and brother, Sam Centron. Sam serves as the worship and arts pastor at the Hope Center for the Arts in Jersey City. He's been with us before on this podcast, and if you've heard him, you know he's a great writer, musician, singer. But what you may not know about Sam Centron is that he was a fine artist before he was the Sam Centron we know as the singer and musician, uh, making sculptures and paintings and so many other things. We're going to hear from Sam on a very interesting perspective on how the arts shape the culture. Now, let me warn you, you're going to hear a little bleed from the other workshops that were happening simultaneously. But I assure you, it's far enough in the background that it should not distract from what Sam is saying. Right after this song selection, the next voice that you will hear will be that of Pastor Sam Centrum. Over many times, I've tried to hide my face For the lack of faith and knowing who I am For disregarding who I am Neglecting who you say I am I take no notice Of what you say of me The lies keep coming And I sink without a trace But I'll keep fighting The enemy Praise God. I want to welcome everyone. Um, my name is Sam Cintron. I'm from the Hope Center. Hope Center uh, Tabernacle in Jersey City. Um, I just want to welcome you, and uh, I'm very grateful for uh, Greg Thomas for uh, inviting me uh, to share with you a few words. And um, as you can see up here... Um, you see around around me uh, some uh, visuals, uh, some of the artwork that that I've 
that I have um, created in the past um, few years. I'm a fine artist by Trey. Uh, when I first met the Lord, well, when I first actually rededicated my, my life to the Lord, I, uh, my wife and I started an art business. Um, we were art dealers for over 10 years. I was an artist myself, study art, and, um, and that has always been my passion, the fine arts. And eventually the gallery became, you know, grew up in, uh, uh, it was an extremely, thank you, extremely successful business throughout the years. Uh, anybody familiar with the art world? I mean, anybody? Yeah, a lot of people. And um, it's, a, it's a big world. It's, um, it's, it's huge. And not too many Christians are involved in, in the arts. Not too many Christians are involved in the fine arts. Uh, it has been shunned from the churches. I don't know why. Uh, actually, I do know why. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's, um, it's a struggle for lots of artists. Any fine artists here uh, this morning? Any fine artists? Any painter, sculptor? Uh, how many musicians do we have here? Musicians? Your artists? Uh, writers? Poets? Amen. Worshippers? Everybody is a worshiper, amen? Praise God. And so um, uh, the Lord called me to, uh, to the ministry, and uh, eventually, you know, when the Lord called me to ministry, I remember that I spent three years in prayer, and I, and I, and I went into prayer. I would go to my, my church from four to six in the morning. The Lord called me to pray there for three years. I locked myself in, in, at church. And, and one of the things that the Lord spoke to me and, and told me with tremendous clarity, he said to me, Sam, I am sending you to the generation that hears through their eyes. It's a generation that hears through their eyes. And I began to, to the Lord began to speak to me and said, you know, I'm sending you to a generation that is sick and tired of hearing my word. They want to see my word. They're sick and tired of hearing Jesus uh, loves you. They want to see that Jesus loves them. Don't tell me Jesus loves me. Show me Jesus loves me. Don't tell me that Jesus, that your Jesus heals. Show me. I want to see him heal. Don't tell me that he regenerates and transforms lives. I want to see a life that has been transformed. I want to witness that. Don't tell me you're a Christian. Show me you're a Christian. It's a visual world. And art is a language. The arts are a language. A language that has been used since the beginning of time. In my opinion, it was the first language that Adam learned. When he was created, he had to open his eyes and see God's great masterpiece, the Garden of Eden. And I'm sure that everything he saw spoke great volumes of his goodness, his awesomeness, and his holiness, and the holiness of God. The language, this language has great power. The arts steer the culture. It is not religion. My friend, it is not the government. It is the arts. 
Religion has tried many times to steer the culture, and they failed. I said religion. They've failed. In the 16th century, we see a, a family that rises to power, the Medici, the Medici family. In the 16th century, who were responsible for, for, for uh, the spark of the Renaissance. And one of the things that, that, they, that they were, they were patrons of the arts. They said to themselves, you know, they wanted to build great temples. They wanted more money for the Catholic Church. And what they did was they said, you know what, we need something we need something to provoke the people to thinking. Provoke them to thought. To steer them, to shake them. We need to touch their emotions. And the Medici family understood that the arts steers the culture. And so they began to do drama. They began to, to do these, these dramatization of, and depictions of hell. What hell looks like. And so they would have actors and actresses and, and painters paint images and imageries of, of hell. And then they began to say, you know, you need to give us money. As well, indulgences came, came into place. Everyone knows what indulgences are. Amen? And, and, and not, not only that, they began to purchase art like crazy. They began to... to to, to push artists. Mark, uh, uh, singers, songwriters, poets. Because they understood one thing. They understood that through the arts, they can steer this culture. The government did the same thing. Germany used art to promote its political agenda. Hitler's propaganda was effective because he was well aware that the arts steer the culture. So, the, so art was used as a component of communicating his agenda. This language is a very powerful language. And the reason is, it's so effective is because it is a common language. I can preach right here, and I can preach in Spanish, which is my native language. I don't know if you can hear my accent. But it's my native language. My first language is Spanish. That's why I study is Spanish. And I can teach you, and I can preach in Spanish, and those who don't know the language are going to get lost. But I can sing a melody, and everyone will be able to enjoy it, or at least appreciate it. Or hear basically the same thing, the same chords, and understand it. So it is the language. I get invited to speak on the subject of the arts quite often. And I've spoken in universities and many churches. And there's a growing appetite for, the, for this subject in the church today. Subject of the arts in the church. And one of the things that trouble me is that this great appetite wants the arts to put in a good word for the gospel. In other words, the arts supposed to, I guess, coolify the church. 
makes us, it just makes the church look cool. I guess unsaved people can, can, can be drawn in through the arts and maybe uh, it, it just makes us look cool. Let's just create paintings. Let's just do drama for drama's sake. And, and, and sometimes we, we miss the mark. We miss the point. Many worship ministry suffers from the kind of guilt complex that many today are looking for the approval of the world. So many worship ministry want the quick formula to success. I remember one pastor, uh, I was in the bank, and I remember one pastor, um, he stopped me and said, Sam Sintron, how are you? You know, I love your music, I, you know, I love what you guys are doing, and, and I know you're a pastor at Hope Center, and, um, but I wanna, I wanna, I've always wanted to ask you a question. He was so excited. He said, tell me the secret of your success. Tell me the secret of success of your church. You have the arts. Drama, poetry, tell me the secret of your success. And I looked at him, and, and, I, and I said, I was just perplexed. I was confused. I knew he was a pastor. I know the pastor. And I said, Pastor, uh, there's really, there's no secret. It's an open secret, if you want to call it. It's, just, it's you know, it's, tell me, tell me, is there a book? I say, yes, there's a book. I read an amazing book. Tell me, tell me. And I remember him trying to get his, tell me. He wanted me to tell him the book and tell me what books do I read and, you know, who's out there that's, I know it's a new thing. It's a new fad and every church wants the arts. I said, the Bible. He laughed. He laughed. He's like, oh, yeah, I know. It's a good one. Good one. I'm like, I'm serious. The book of Acts. That's our motto. We believe, we actually believe in Jesus. We actually believe there is a God. We actually worship the God we believe in. We actually believe everything that's written in this scripture. He's looking at me like, I was like, I was about to mention his name. Thank God I didn't. I said, I was like, dude, it's in scripture. Is there. Sam, I know you don't want to tell me. I said, I'm telling you, it's the word of God. It's the word of God. But people are looking today for the secret of success. How to f- people are looking to fill their churches with bodies. Why? We want the money. We want the comfort. We want the right. We, will, as, we as pastors, I'm a pastor. We want to write the latest card. We want to travel around the world. We want to write the latest. We want to write a book. We want to be, you know, all of this. And it's sad to say that's just, in my, in my opinion and in David Wilkinson's opinion also, uh, it's the condition of the church in America, in this country, sadly to say. But I know there's always a remnant, amen? Would you give the Lord a praise offering offer for the remnant that does not compromise? Rekindle the between you and I Those intimate moments To my memory bring back I want to cherish those moments I want to savor those times 
God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. God is and always will God be. God is able to God protect. Is God good. is power to change. God is a provider. God is Jesus. God is here. God now. is the one who loves you. God is merciful. God is the husband to the widow. God is the one with your answer. God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio. Where God is. This is Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in New York City. Have you ever felt like screaming? Have you ever felt like your dreams, your plans, your ambitions are falling through your hands like sand? Your strength is quickly leaving you. You don't know where you're going to find the resources to do the things that in your heart you know need to be done in your life. The Bible in the book of Isaiah speaks of seasons when even young people shall faint and be weary and young men known for strength will utterly fall. But what an incredible promise in chapter 40 and verse 31 that tells us those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. These are people who just had the sense to go into the presence of God and find the strength that only He can give. It's time to pray. To find a prayer meeting in your area, visit nycprayer.org. Greetings, salutations, saludos, and young haseo, TSC music podcasters. 
Did you know a Child Cry, a ministry of Times Square Church, is dishing out over 23,000 meals every week? With your prayers and support, we'll continue reaching out to feed the kids that we can so that they might be given the opportunity to lead an active and healthy lifestyle. I personally believe that now, more than ever, there's an awareness amongst this generation that there are people experiencing tremendous hardship and difficulties. And in response, folks from all walks of life are getting together in massive numbers and advocating for solutions. At Child Cry, it is our objective to be a transparent, ethical charity by developing long-lasting relationships with all of our local feeding program administrators. I'd encourage you to hit us up online at childcrynyc.org to check out the work and see what you can do to help. We've got some exciting new updates launching this fall and hope that you'll join us. Child Cry. Child Cry. We feed hungry kids. Hungry kids. are just two of the many ministries that make up TSC Music. We're also looking for volunteers in other areas of music ministry. Are you a musician, an actor or singer, a video editor or an audio engineer? Perhaps you're great at learning song lyrics and quick on the computer, then projection ministry could be the place for you. Or maybe you enjoy meeting new people and talking with them about music. Then you'd fit right in with our sales team. If you're a music lover looking to find your place to serve, we invite you to apply online. Visit the website, tscnyc.org, and click on Get Involved. God is Faithful is the title of a new book from the personal writings of Pastor David Wilkerson. This volume offers 365 deeply insightful, deeply inspiring reflections that reveal the loving heart of the Father. Each day in this year-long devotional journey, you can experience what Brother Dave knew intimately and preached passionately, that God is faithful and He takes great delight in you. To purchase a copy in limited edition hardcover, visit tscnyc.org.
me to, to ministry. He said, I'm sending you to the generation that hears through their eyes. A generation that is tired of hearing the truth. They no longer want to hear the truth. They want to see the truth. And those who have control of the media, they know that the arts see the culture. As a matter of fact, there's a sculpture here. I, I titled it, I called it a Redefinition of Words and Family. Words today are being redefined, and family is being redefined. And thanks to the media, to television, (laughs) thanks to the television, you know, it's destroying the very fabric of society. You see, it is all on television. You see it on television. You see the mocking of of the father figure. The sanctity of marriage is not only being redefined, but is also being ridiculed. All of this is being fed to us through the media, polluting the minds of our young. Talk about pollution. I believe that in the last 40 to 50 years, television has been the greatest visual pollutant that has caused the greatest damage to the ozone layer of the human heart. That is a fact. I believe that with my whole heart. And the devil knows that. And what he's doing today, he is killing us from within. I believe that what happens, what happens on the... This is what I believe. That what happens on the, on the natural... Lots of time is an is a indication of what's happening in the supernatural. What happened in, 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 in September 11 here in the city. You know, we as Americans, we have the greatest weapons known to men. Our enemies can throw a missile from one point to, to, to the other to our, in our direction and we can immediately destroy it in midair. Our enemy knows that. That we have the power to destroy it. But what they did was they joined our schools. They flew our planes. They became part of the fabric of our society. 
And you know the rest. Same thing with the church. We distribute, we're in America, distribute most Bibles in, than any other country in the world. We know that. We have the best theologians. We have the best, we have books. We have so much materials in this country that we can, I mean, we can enjoy so much of the gospel, the freedom. Back in the days, you know, back in biblical times, you know, you know how they used to kill us. They used to, they used to, you know, torture us and the physically. They will burn us at the stake. They will feed us to the lions. But the devil discovers something. Man, the more I kill these people, the more I try to eradicate these people, the more they multiply. They're like roaches. The more they multiply. So he came up with a plan, and the plan was, I'm going to join their churches. I'm going to join the choir. I'm going to join the worship team. And I'm going to kill them from within. In silence. Hallelujah. They're killing us from within. The Bible tells the story. The Israelites, young boys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, exiles who were captured and shipped to Babylon by request of none other than Nebuchadnezzar, who, by the way, was an avid collector of great talents. Well, I'm sure he asked himself the right questions. How can I build this great, how can I continue in, to build this great empire? How can we grow in knowledge and beauty? I'm sure he thought we need disciplined and talented people and the kind of people who practice loyalty. We need artists, we need writers, singers, architects, thinkers, philosophers, musicians, poets. He thought he could steer the culture of the time. So what was his plan? So what was the answer? The answer was, let's send what I call the shoppers. It's a no-brainer. Today the Nebuchadnezzars goes shopping at our local convenient church. And he's looking for the best of the best. And the best of the best come from the kingdom of God. Where people have vowed their, they have vowed to give their very lives and talents to honor God. Where people have vowed to give their time, their blood, sweat and tears for the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. And what the devil has done is he sends his shoppers that spend time at church. And they, all they do is sit there. They're agents of, of, of Nebuchadnezzar's, of today's Nebuchadnezzar's. And they sit there and they watch and they see the people who are the mo- most talented in the congregation. And somehow they begin and they start patting them on the back. Good job. What a voice. And they don't stay one week. They don't stay two weeks. They stay a year, even two and three years. Eventually, pulling them out, signing them up with some wicked label, and lure them out into the world. Or lure them out to some carnal church out there 
that all they want is accolades and take that young sheep out of the will of God, out of its purpose. And, the, and Nebuchadnezzar does what he wants for his purposes, his kingdom, his agenda. Church, we got to be careful. We have to be cautious. So my advice to you is, church, we need a clear vision of the holiness of God. Worshippers need to understand that. Writers need to understand this. Poets, singers, songwriters need to understand that we need to have a clear vision of the holiness of God. A great theologian once uh, noticed that there was a pattern to human responses to the presence of God in the scriptures. It seems that the more righteous the person is described in the Bible, the more he trembles when he is confronted with the presence of God. For example, there's nothing casual about the response of Habakkuk when he is confronted with the presence of God. Remember what happened when God appeared to Habakkuk? He said, my lips quivered, my belly trembled, and rottenness entered into my bones. Habakkuk 3, 16. What happened to Job when he waited for the voice of God? And when God showed himself, Job said, I abhor myself. Job 42, 5, verse 5 says, I have heard of you by the hearing of of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Bill Bright wrote a book entitled God. What a great title, God. And he said in this book something very important. He said, Everything about our lives is determined and influenced by our view of God. You want to know? What is the view of God in, 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 in American Christian pop culture? Go to a Christian bookstore, he said. Most books are about how to feel good about ourselves. You see, things must sell. And if they don't sell, then they cannot stay on the shelf. And so our lives, so our view of God is set by, by our American pop Christian culture instead of the Bible. So everything about our lives is determined and influenced by our view of God. So we need a clear vision of who God is. We need to understand who God is. How can you worship a God you do not know? We need to hear more on the theology of God, who God is, who is the God that we worship, and how holy is He. Now, the world has a clear vision of the devil's agenda. The devil has a clear vision of the devil's agenda. The world has that vision. And I wish that we, as Christians, had the same enthusiasm that, that the homosexual agenda has. Notice how they get together. Notice how they march even though they have their differences. They have different denominations, if you will. They have their own different ways of, of, of doing things. 
But when it comes to voting, they get together. When it comes to get together and, and make big noise, they can get together and make big noise. And they're not ashamed. They're just not ashamed. I came into New York City here to buy some uh, dance clothing for, for my daughter who was studying ballet. And, and, um, and I went into this, this boutique in New York here. And I was confronted with a man, a tall man, dressed as a woman. Deep voice, you know, he's clearly a man. And my little daughter's there and she's just staring at him. She's very little. You know, she's like, she was all confused. And the Lord began to speak to me and I was excited about being there. I said, I'm glad my daughter's watching this. And he started talking and moving his hand as all flamboyant. And, he, and, and, and I said to myself, he's not ashamed. Look at him. He's so proud. We went out to eat. And I, and, my, and I told my daughter, and I told my wife, man, I'm having such a great day. I'm gonna, you know, my, my wife was kind of worried about her confronting. I said, no, this is good. I said, Faith, I said, Faith, I'm glad you saw this. Notice that this man was not embarrassed, was not ashamed of his wickedness, of his lifestyle. He was not, he was not ashamed to be in front of a child. In front of a family, in front of a traditional family. He didn't care. He's following an agenda. That by the way, that thanks to television, most of our youth are being indoctrinated. And, and, and that television is making even Christians feel ashamed for believing what they believe, what we believe. And I said to myself, what a great example, what a great day I'm having I learned such a great lesson be proud to be a Christian walk with your Bible don't hide it walk with your Bible speak about Jesus open your mouth hallelujah fear it's one of the most powerful weapons that Satan has against you once he has gotten you with fear then he will take your faith because fear is actually the opposite of faith The Lord said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now fear is when we look at the size of the opposition that we have to encounter. And dismay comes when we look inside and don't see enough strength to fight the battle. And God's word was, don't let fear or dismay get a hold of you. Because it's not about you. It's about Christ in us. That's the good news. Paul says to Timothy, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear. Fear not. When that simple word gets into your heart, that's where the sound mind comes from. Fear not. I don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Face your fears and overcome them by the power of God. Face them now. It's very hard to get right with God in a season of panic. There are going to be many things in the future that are going to cause fear. And some things are causing fear today. But for the child of God, God says to you, fear not. That's where your sound mind will come from. Fear not. I know what fear can do. I was paralyzed by it for over nine years. But I know when I came to Christ and made a choice of going all the way with Him and walking with Him, there's no fear in my heart. If you will make that choice, you'll be astounded at the power of God that is available for you.
power, love, and a sound mind. That's what comes from God. And it only comes from God. It only comes from God. Pastor Carter Conlon's new book, Fear Not, Living Courageously in Uncertain Times, is now available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, and wherever Christian books are sold. So we must first have a, a clear understanding of the holiness of God. If we want to steer the culture, if we want to, if we want to get into the arts. Don't even get involved in the arts unless you understand who God is and his holiness. I meet so many musicians who on Sunday, they use their instruments not only to worship God, but as their weapon to shoot the enemy. Because it is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. When David ministered to Saul, demons had to flee. Because his instrument was a weapon. Say weapon. It was a weapon. But as they used their weapons on Sunday, hallelujah, as they use their weapons on Sunday and they use it well comes Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday they're at a club they're in some club using it to now use the same weapon to shoot the people of God the agenda of God one person say amen you don't have to say amen to this I'm a worship pastor, and I'm concerned about this. And we say, well, they, they're musicians. They need to eat. Yes, that is true. That is true. Especially if you chose that as a career. And I'm sure many would ask that question, and I've advised many and said, I understand. But you need to know. You need to know who you're playing for. You need to know the lyrics of the songs. You need to know the lyrics. If you're an actor, you need to know what, 
What, what role are you playing? The, the agenda of the film. And if you have to starve and be a waitress, so be it. So be it. Jesus said that in this world you will have tribulation. You will suffer. So be it. But on Monday, on Sunday we're using the weapon for one thing. And then on Sunday up against the agenda of God, God's purposes. That shows you the lack of understanding of the holiness of God. Ezekiel 39 verse 7 says this. My holy name, my holy name I will make known in the midst of my people Israel. And I will not let my holy name be profane anymore. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Revelation chapter 15 verse 4. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. Hallelujah. In Isaiah chapter 6, we're confronted with a man who had a traumatic experience, with a prophet who had a traumatic experience. And trauma, a trauma experience. And I believe that trauma leaves a mark. When you have a traumatic experience, trust me, you're going to remember that trauma forever. You are scarred for life. I pray that the church of today, that the worship teams around this country and around the world begin to, to repent and understand that their giftings, that they were born for, for the purpose of glorifying God, that they were born for a specific agenda to work against the agenda of Nebuchadnezzar. And even when you're in exile, and Nebuchadnezzar says to you, hey, I'm going to kill you. I'm not going to feed you anymore. You're not going to have for kids. I'm not going to pay you unless you bow to Baal. That you're able, I pray that you're able to say, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. Well, then I'm not going to pay you. You're not going to get paid. You're not going to be part of this film. I pray that you can say, well, sir, ma'am, I thank you for the opportunity. But I can't do this. But the Lord that I serve will supply my, all my needs. The Lord that I serve will take care of me and my family. Blessed are those that are persecuted for his name. I'm going to be blessed. I pray that you're able to be strong and say and repeat these words to them. That you, I pray that you'll be bold enough as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the uh, chapter 6 of, of, of Isaiah... A prophet of the Lord. In the year of his calling. His very calling. And I would like to get more into that, but I can't. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. This is, my, my friend, a theatrical event. A theatrical presentation, a visual that leaves him scarred for life. And that's what the arts can do today in the churches. Can leave people scarred for life is an image. I'm telling you, I can stand up here and preach about the crucifixion. And I can be the best orator. 
and describe how the, the sufferings of Jesus Christ, but Mel Gibson can get up one day, make a film, and, and project it on a screen, and man, you're going to be scarred for life. You won't be able to sleep because that image just went right through you. And God did this through the, all the Old Testament, from the Ark of the, of the Covenant. So, I mean, you name it. Those that know the Bible, man, you all know this. You see it through all Scripture. But I don't have a lot of time. Verse 2, Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. Can you imagine? The, can you picture that image? Each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his I mean, his face. With two, his feet. And with two, he flew. God constructed. I want you to notice something. God is an incredible sculptor. An incredible sculptor. God constructs these angels in a way that is fitting for their habitat. Notice that. To be in the immediate presence of God, you need to be constructed in a, in a certain way. You can't be a wicked individual. You cannot be a carnal man to live and stand before the immediate presence of God. And so God has constructed these angels to stand before the immediate presence of God, to withstand the pressures. And those two wings that cover their face, because they're not allowed to see his face, because if they will die, they will disintegrate. So God constructed these creatures in a way that is fitting to their habitat. Just like the whales, the great, you know, the, the, the whales or the sharks in, in, in the depth of the ocean. They can withstand pressures. They're designed and constructed to withstand greater amount of pressures that us humans cannot unless we have proper equipment the same way god has created you for a specific purpose he has constructed constructed some of you and you know who you are with incredible giftings incredible anointing and you know it and you feel it and you say i've been chosen to write I've been chosen to, write, to, to make films. I've been chosen to write poetry, to sing, to lead worship, to preach. And you know you've been chosen. You need to understand that you have been constructed in a way that you can be able to withstand the, the immediate presence of God. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, trust me, you're in the immediate presence of the living God. You need to live holy, holy lives. Separated, consecrated. Verse 3, very quickly. And one called out to one another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole world, the whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out. While the temple was filling with smoke. To me, what impresses me the most is not the way these creatures were constructed. But what impresses me the most is how these creatures, what these creatures say. Your talent doesn't matter. Your giftings don't matter. What matters is what you say. And what you say has to come from, from, from a consecrated heart. A heart of humility, a heart that's humble before the living God. Someone who has full understanding of the holiness of God, who God is. 
How many bless the Lord? Can you say hallelujah with me? Can you bless his holy name? Hallelujah. Can we have church today? Hallelujah. So what's in presence of what they say? Notice they say holy, holy, holy. The foundations tremble at the voice of him who called out of the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Isaiah, look what he says. Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's saying, I am ruined. I am so messed up. I am scarred for life. For now, I understand. I can see with my eyes. You know, hope, you know, Job, Job, in Spanish is hope, hope. I said it in Spanish. But Job heard about God. But there came a point where he began to see God. But when you, so when you see God, when you are confronted with the image of God, when you begin to understand who God is, you're going to be scarred for life. For life, You are going to be completely and totally traumatized. And that's what I pray for you. I pray that, that God, if you haven't been traumatized already, or you haven't been scarred by the holiness of God, I pray that God scars you for life. I pray that on you. I pray that for you, church. God is holy. God is a holy God. You know, the arts, it's what steers the culture. But it is time for the people of God to rise up and put their hands on that steering wheel. The Lord showed me a vision of a steering wheel. And I saw many hands on a steering wheel. Many hands steering, pulling towards the left. And I just, and the Lord showed me just one hand on that steering wheel, struggling to, to, to turn that wheel towards the right. And the Lord told me it is time for the people of God, for my people to rise up and put their hands on that steering wheel. Hallelujah. The Bible says that these signs will follow those who believe. But today we want to follow after signs. We want to do the opposite. Church, the signs will follow after us. Church, be strong. Be bold. Be holy. Amen. Take joy, my King, in what you hear and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope and pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. We also hope you'll join the conversation online because music with a mission doesn't end here. So check out TSE Music on Facebook to share your thoughts and get regular updates. Follow us on Twitter at TSE Music Tweet. And don't forget to use the hashtag MWM Podcast. Watch and share videos on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash TSE Music TV. And of course, you can always email us at music at timescorechurch.org or visit the website tscnyc.org slash music. 
Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSE Music, produced by the director of TSE Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn and Jungbin Kim, and I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco. Coming up next week, Pastor Lee Piat Gonzalez from Hope Center Arts shares her message, Creating a Culture of Worship, from the annual TSE Music Ministry Workshop. If there's only going to be three left, Lord, standing in Babylon, let me be, let me be one of the three. If there's only going to be three left, Lord, standing in Babylon, let me be, let me be one of the three. Thank you, Pastor Sam. We do hope that you, our listeners, were blessed by this workshop. And remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Greg Thomas. Join us again next time on TSC Music with a Mission.